Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. I'm here with Julie. Julie, what's up? Hey, Andrew. I've been sick the past week, and it's just a very mild sick, but work has been helping me kind of distract myself, and so is this. How are you doing? I can't do any, I can't do anything when I'm sick. So I'm like, now I'm like, how are you doing this? (laughs) Well, hopefully you feel better soon. I am a little frustrated at the moment because of some turbo escapades with tables, but maybe that can be for another time because today we are going to talk about navigating your job with ADHD. And that is a great topic, I think for us, because we both have it and it's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we both kind of learned some tricks and tips and stuff. And I think we want to share that today. Great. And for those who may not be aware, what might ADHD look like? Or how would you describe it? ADHD is defined as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And we can get into the disorder kind of part of it later if we have time. But It's basically marked by ongoing pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity that interferes with functioning and development. And so like the main kind of categories that they kind of slotted in are you either have issues with attention, you have issues with hyperactivity or you have, and, or you have issues with impulsivity. So sometimes they'll, they'll separate it out until you have ADD, which is just the attention deficit part of it. Or you have ADHD, which is you have the attention issues, but you also have the really hyperactivity, really impulsive behaviors. So I have ADHD. And do you have both or do you are you one type? And I have ADD. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be some good contrast. But yeah, we're kind of want to talk about how to navigate your job with it. So I think the first thing I'll say is that having ADHD sucks. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. Some people like to frame it as like, oh, it's really a superpower, but it's really not. Don't like it. It's caused me great issues in my life. And I'm lucky that now I have realized that and gotten help for it. Like I'm medicated for it. Are you taking any medication for ADHD? Not right now. Yeah. So I do. And I am now in this weird situation where if I don't have my medication, it's even harder, but Yes. So I have the impulsivity, hyperactivity part, and you just have the attention part. And that's good because that means you can sit down, right? (laughs) I don't feel like I have to fidget quite as much, but I do usually have something in my hand, a pen or a fidget toy, or especially during meetings, if I don't have anything in my hand, I start playing with my own hands. No, I, I do the same thing. Like my hands are all like not cut up, but like you can tell I pick at them and I like chew my fingernails and I like bite on the side of my mouth and I fidget and like hit stuff and I'm constantly moving around and all this other stuff. So I know what you mean by playing with your hands. I'm literally doing it right now, like as we speak. Um, Sometimes I find like a scrap piece of paper and just start folding it and folding and folding and folding it and then unfolding it. And one time I was talking with somebody at RailsConf and I noticed that the other person was doing the exact same thing as I was with the folding thing, but I never never brought it up with them. I don't remember That's who it was funny. with, but. I, when I first kind of came on as a Rails engineer, there were not a lot of people talking about ADHD. And I didn't know it at the time, but there's kind of like a stigma around it. And because I had just recently been diagnosed at that point. It was like my whole thing. I was like, yeah, I have ADHD. And I told like everyone because I felt 
like people viewed me a certain way for so long. And finally there was like a reason for it. So I like right out of the gate, it, I talked about it a lot and I talked about it on podcasts and blog posts and to people and on Twitter. And I'm really glad that I did that. And this is kind of my like call out to anyone who's kind of experiencing it because I have met so many people because of that. People who are like, yeah, I have it and I can't tell anyone because of these reasons or people who are like, I didn't know it was okay to talk about it. And so I just wanted to spread like, I think talking about it is good because it leads to more understanding and I don't know, less stigma because there shouldn't be a stigma for it, right? It's just kind of something we deal with, but there definitely was, or it still is, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how it affects me in my career at this point, because I've just kind of gone full sun for it. And because of that, like some companies are like, Hey, we know you have ADHD and like, we're, we're so cool with that. The, here's like how we kind of support that. So yeah, there are people who can't talk about it for other reasons, but I would encourage you if there's no reason that you shouldn't, that you can connect with a lot of developers that way. It's kind of easier to understand people, at least in my experience, when you know they have ADHD, it's like, oh, so I, now I understand why this person's doing these things. And I think it leads to better teamwork. Like I am on a new project at work. We kind of talked about it last time, but the person on the team with was like, Hey, what's the best way that we can work together so that it supports what you go through. And so, yeah, that's my little comment about talking about it. I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause I feel like since we've started this show, there have been a couple of people who started speaking out about their ADHD as well. And I really like that you help reduce the stigma and kind of bring more awareness and make it more normalized because I feel like there are a lot of folks who have ADHD and being able to find them really helps make you feel like you belong. And I guess I didn't really feel like I belonged until the Ruby community. And you bring up that there are people who didn't share that they have ADHD. And I felt like I didn't know what to do because I was recently diagnosed earlier this year and I kept it to myself for a while just because I didn't know how people would react to it. And I've, I've just felt like the Ruby community in general is so welcoming and supportive that I didn't hesitate to share that I had it. And I want to kind of be a part of helping other people share it as well and normalize it. Yeah. I mean, at RailsConf, when we met, I think at some point you told me that you had ADHD and like instantly I felt like connection to you. Right. Cause I was like, oh, this person understands what I struggle with. And I understand what they struggle with. Not, not down to like the nitty gritty of it, but from like a macro level, I'm like, okay, I feel like we can approach each other on like a different level because of that. So yeah, I definitely echo everything you just said. It's I think it's important to talk about, but I obviously not everyone is in a position to. So I feel like the more we talk about it, the less and less people will have to worry about hiding it. Because I don't know how you hide it, personally. <laughs> it's all over me. But anyway, navigating your job with ADHD. Now, this is something I don't know if I ever won't struggle with. And I go through like highs and lows of this, right? Because there, a lot of times ADHD has like comorbid disorders, if you want to call them that. That's not a great word for them, but that's what kind of the science community calls them. And my comorbid situation is depression. And I struggle with that a lot. Less so when I'm on my medicine, because it also acts as a mood stabilizer. So when I'm off my medicine, that's one of the big problems for me is like, it all kind of starts coming back. The, the dark thoughts, I'll call them. Do you struggle with anything like that? 
Yeah. Instead of depression for me, it's more of an anxiety. I experience a ton of anxiety. Yeah. I know people on that end of it too. Cause I, a lot of the time I find people, and this is definitely not true for everyone, but I find people often lie either on the kind of depressive end of ADHD or the anxiety end of ADHD. Not always, but the majority of the people I know struggle with one or the other, which is kind of interesting to note. But when dealing with it at work, I think there's a few things. Like one of them is to, I think the more you communicate about it, the more level of understanding your coworkers will have about it. And so that's why I said, even my coworkers now are like, how can we work best for you? How can I help you? How can I make sure that what I'm doing maybe isn't triggering your ADHD, right? Because one thing that really triggers my ADHD is long blocks of text. Oh my gosh. I cannot handle long blocks of text. I have to ask for clear bullet points. Yes, same. I think that's why I write in bullet points when I first start off too. It's because that's kind of the way I think of it. I cannot read long blocks of text. So whenever like we do kind of these long project updates sometimes, and it's really hard for me to read them. But I will say I found something the other day that's kind of helped a little bit with it. It's called bionic reading. Have you ever heard of that? Bionic reading. No, I have not. We'll, we'll drop a link for it in the show notes, but I think there's a few extensions for it. But basically what it does is it emphasizes as in it like bolds certain pieces of text on the screen. And it just, it has really helped me kind of read those longer blocks of text. I don't understand the science behind it. We'll include a link for it. It's kind of cool, but maybe that'll help some people out. The other thing I would say is possibly the thing that's helped me the most recently is Pomodoro. Do you do Pomodoro or anything like that? I used to, but I actually don't. I'm not sure why I stopped. What helps you with the Pomodoro technique? I think it's, well, for me, like in my brain, almost everything is a game. And if it's not a game, it's boring. <laughs> and so if I learn how to gamify something, that really helps me. Like I am super productive when it's almost like a game, when it's like, oh, who can merge in the most PRs? Or I bet you can't get this done by the end of the day or anything like that, where all of a sudden it's a competition. All of a sudden my brain gets engaged. And I know that is something that a lot of people are like, yeah, learn how to gamify things for ADHD, but that definitely helps me. The other thing is with, we haven't talked about hyper-focus yet, um, but it definitely helps with that because like I was trying to debug something this morning and I'm like, then I hit a Pomodoro loop. So 25 minutes went by, it felt like a minute. And so I was like, okay, I need to stop and take a quick break. And I think it's just that understanding of time because I have very little concept of time with ADHD. That is definitely like a big issue for me is like my comprehension of time as a concept, but it helps me like stay in like, okay, 25 minutes just passed. Where am I at? You know, like, do I need to move on from what I'm doing? It also helps me like, sometimes it's really hard for me to stay in my seat. Like we kind of talked about earlier. So if I'm having a lot of trouble doing that, I'll be like, okay, I can sit down for 25 minutes. So let me just start the Pomodoro. And once I kind of get in that flow and it's like, I'm not moving for 25 minutes, I know this, then it, once that 25 minute lapses, it's almost like tricking myself to just starting and getting on task, right? Because I think starting is really the hardest part 
for that's, me. That's a really good point. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I have trouble with navigating how much time has passed by. So I end up going through a workday without knowing how many hours I spent on what items. And doing the Pomodoro technique would be really helpful in knowing like, okay, in this block, I got this done. In that block, I got that done. For anybody who doesn't know what the Pomodoro technique is, it's basically setting yourself some time. Usually it's 25 minutes or 50 minutes, and then you'll have a five minute block to take a break, go get some water or go do a quick thing and then come back and you can do another Pomodoro block. But one other thing that I think is the reason why I had stopped doing it is because I was getting into a hyper-focused state and then the timer would go off and then distract me from whatever the thing is. And so I ended up just turning it off. I don't know if that happens to you. Yeah. Sometimes I get like the break is done. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, that has definitely been an issue, but I found a really good, I just wanted to mention this. I, I have an app that I use for it that I really like. It's called Session and we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it has worked out really well for me. The creator of it has mentioned like, hey, I think this is really helpful for people with ADHD. I think he has a blog post or two about it, or at least he said he was planning to write one last time I talked to him. But yeah, I definitely get that where you're like, but I'm so close, right? But I think because I tell myself that so much, when I hit the break, I either have to decide, look, am I going to loop it around and do another one? Or am I going to pause? I know I should pause because I always think I'm super close. And sometimes I'm not because something, some issue pops up, right? So that skipping that block results in skipping the next one, which results in skipping the next one. And then you're just out of it. So I try to adhere to it, but sometimes, yeah, when I, when I'm really in the zone, I will skip it and that doesn't help me later, but moving on from Pomodoro, I think the next biggest thing is like, you kind of have to understand yourself. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, today is not the day. Like, it's just not going to work today. I can just tell. And I don't know how I can tell. And maybe I'm almost screwing myself up by even having that thought in the first place and not trying to write the ship. But some days, like I am insanely productive and some days I'm not productive at all. And I think you kind of have to like learn to have a lot of grace for yourself and learn like, this is how I am and not be too hard on yourself because it's going to happen probably forever. Right. So I think like the biggest issue for me is like getting into these thought cycles of like, I should have done more. I could have done more. Why can't I focus? Why can't I sit down? Why can't I do this? Why am I not good enough? You know, and it just leads and like snowballs into like this bigger mental issue where at the end of the day, you're just, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're upset with yourself. And that is not going to help you start fresh the next day. And it's not going to help you for the rest of that day. So yeah, that's one thing, one big thing for myself is like, hey, like it's okay that you didn't get anything done today. We'll do better tomorrow. And like, how do we make sure that tomorrow is a success? I literally just had this conversation with my spouse about me feeling that way. I was in this negative feedback loop of saying I should have done more. Why am I not getting it? Why am I still being so slow? And he brought up that I just, switched over to a new career after doing something else. And this is still new to me and I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I often find myself in this situation where I hold myself to this incredible standard that I would never hold anyone else to. And it kind of sounds like you're doing the same thing, right? Because I yes. often have told people the same thing. It's like, hey, you just started. Like, 
well, you're so new in this career and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. It's fine. But then I don't do the same thing for myself. And that's definitely a struggle, but I'm working on it. I think that's one of those things that you kind of just have to either go to talk therapy and kind of learn to talk yourself through, or just kind of be really mindful about those negative thoughts and try to combat them when you can. I, that's what I currently am doing is like, Hey, I just had a bad thought. Why is that thought not true? It, Cause it's not, they're usually not true. Right. But it's being, getting good at checking yourself and catching you on some of that stuff is what has worked well for me, but it takes practice. I really like that. You're able to catch these as thoughts and not really who you are. One of the things that I started doing at my work is I have a friend slash colleague who is in a similar boat to me where we have these negative thoughts and we kind of use each other as, I don't know, a soundboard where I might start talking about maybe this negative feedback loop that I'm having or I'm currently in. And she will say things like putting it in perspective again, because she can do that to other people, but her herself, she can't do it to. So then I am able to kind of and say it back to her. So we have this relationship where we kind of help each other out, at least until I can figure out that these thoughts are not really me. Yeah, there's a there's a song that I really like. And at the end of it, it's called Alone With Me by Hobson. But at the very end, there's like the little kind of spoken part. And the narrator kind of goes, don't identify any thought as negative because it's just a thought. Who told you it's negative? It's just a thought. You're making it up. Maybe you like it. What's the problem? If you understand it's just a thought, it has no power. If you think it's a reality, then it'll destroy you. And I think that's definitely what's true for me. It's like, it's just a thought, let it go. And I can't always do that. But when I can, it's like, if I don't let it become a reality, right? Because I'm not stupid. I'm not incompetent. Once I just realize that's a thought, I have power over it, right? Because I can control, I mean, not incredibly well, but I can control to a degree what I think about. So... Yeah, that's that's what I try to do. It's not easy. It's definitely not something I constantly am doing, right? But I try hard at it to just realize it. it's just a thought. I just had a thought. And now the thought is over. And I can let it go. Moving on, we, I think the other big thing is like, there's a lot of factors that factor into how how intense your ADHD is that you can kind of mitigate a little bit. One of those things being diet. I think is really important. And this is something I have struggled with for years and years. And I'm finally kind of on the right track a little bit, but it's like eating a good breakfast, eating protein, not eating like, you know, tons and tons of sugar, all sorts of like diet things can relate to like your gut health and your mental health and kind of trying to keep track of that a little bit, like constantly eating pizza and like, you know, fast food and all that will not help your ADHD. It'll make it worse at least in my experience. So I can't so, yeah. have candy? I, you can, but it's like, I think as someone with ADHD, I think we have the tendency to skip meals, especially oh, yeah. when we're really focusing and that's not good. Um, that's really bad. So, and this is kind of a reminder to myself is like, hey, don't skip that meal. Don't skip breakfast, eat healthy because like there are studies out there that show like, the relation between certain foods and like your ADHD symptoms almost increasing. So that is what I will say about that. 
Do you have a reminder to remind you to eat? I don't right now because routine is so important for me. I think with everyone with ADHD. So it's like finding places in your routine where it makes sense to do it and then trying to always do that. And at some point, like your stomach will kind of get the message, right? And that certain time, like, hey, if I always eat at this time, now I'm hungry. So for me, it's breakfast around 5 a.m. and then lunch around 9 a.m. And then dinner, I start making dinner as soon as I get off work, which is something I have not previously done in the past. But right now, that's where I'm at. So as soon as I finish work, I start making dinner. Wow, you have a really early lunch. Something very interesting with me is with kids, I don't have a problem with remembering to feed them, possibly because if I don't feed them, then they'll get really hangry. But when they're not around, I never remember to feed myself. Yeah, it's hard. It, I think it's because it feels like a waste of time. Ah, yeah. Same with like flossing or something. Yeah. And sleeping. Oh, yeah. That's a big one for me, too. And I've gotten a lot better about it. But like I used to like I would not sleep for days in a row. And it's because I'm like, I'm so close to figuring this thing out. I'm so close to being done with this thing. But you never are. (laughs) At least in my experience, like you almost never are. And the more tired you get, the more your brain tricks you into thinking you're doing really well, when in actuality, you're not. So sleeping and food are big ones for me especially the sleeping part Mm. so that can throw me off for a whole week yeah it gets really dangerous for me how about exercise exercise is also really important i need to be doing a little bit more than i am right now but i'm a big walker so that has been one thing that i've kind of done to Like I used to be really in shape and I used to go work out a ton and I don't really know exactly when that stopped, but like trying to figure out how to slot it back in has been, was kind of a trouble for me, but that's why I think walk walking is really helpful, at least for me, because I like to look at stuff, right? Like any sort of visual stimuli, I'm into it. So standing in a gym all day is not the most stimulating, but going outside in nature and, you know, going on a walk on a walking path or around your neighborhood. Like I'm just like darting eyes, like looking at stuff, like listening to a podcast, maybe anything like that. So yeah, exercise is really important. I think. That's awesome. I tried doing some walks, but I, I don't know. I, I went back to the, there's other things that I can do instead of during the walk. I feel like I need a, like a walking partner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend and like every day after work, we would go skateboard around a park near our house. And that was like the best for me. Cause I need a lot of times I need someone to keep me on track because it's so easy for me to convince myself, Oh no, I'll just skip it. And the problem with me, and this is definitely an ADHD thing is like, once I skip it once, that's, often the end of it for me. It's like, oh, well, I skipped it that time. And so like now my brain comes up with this reason why I don't need to do it again. I'm especially bad about this with missing appointments. Like if I accidentally miss an appointment for some reason, I will almost never go back (laughs) because for whatever reason, right? I come up with a different reason every time. But yeah, that the consistency is really key because once you're out of that consistency, it's like straight back to where you were, at least for me. And the appointments reminds me of my history with therapists. 
how after a few times with them, I might miss one and then I never go back. Yeah, I am. I'm currently doing that as we speak. So maybe today, finally, I'll make that appointment I've been skipping out on. So yes, exercise, sleep, breakfast, especially breakfast, especially if you're taking medication for it. Breakfast is really important because and now I'm hesitant to repeat anything this doctor told me because they told me one thing that was not true, but I'm pretty sure a lot of ADHD medicine kind of binds to the proteins in your body. So if there's no protein, then it's not going to be as effective. So something to think about if you are medicated for it. Cool. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. And someone might need to fact check me, but that's what they told me. So maybe it's just the certain medication or whatever, but that's what I've been told. The other thing is like definitely time blocking. Cause if you, so let's talk about hyper-focus a little bit. A lot of people are like, you don't have ADHD because you can play video games for like five hours. <laughs> and so you can focus, right? You're just not choosing to focus on what you need to be blah, blah, blah. Like if you just try to focus and Hyperfocus is this thing where you kind of lose track of time and you're just so focused on what you're doing that time slips away and anything else slips away and it's just you and whatever that thing is. And I do that a lot, not as often as I'd like to do with the things I should be doing, but anything that's like stimulating your brain like that, because ADHD, like at the end of the day is kind of, it's usually a deficit in dopamine. And so anything that's like triggering dopamine in your system is going to be something that you latch onto. So that's why video games, especially for me, video games are that thing. It's like, I get these quick wins and I play video games that are almost tailored to my ADHD, right? Because I want to win. I want co quick competition. I don't want to be doing the same thing for hours and hours on end. So I like play games that are like fast, like rounds basically, and that I can get these quick wins and keep going. And every time I win, that's a burst of dopamine. Right. And as someone who's very dopamine deficient, that's what I'm seeking out. But like submitting, you know, working on the same feature for like four days doesn't trigger that dopaminic release. And so that's why you'll often find people who like cannot focus on their schoolwork or their work or whatever, but can really focus on something that stimulates them or brings them a lot of enjoyment, which is it's a devil edged sword for sure. That's like me and front-end and back-end. I can hyper-focus on any back-end tickets, but when you give me a front-end ticket, unless it's really short and simple, I cannot focus on it. Yeah, I I definitely, and especially if the ticket is like filled with all this stuff, that's, oh yeah, that can, that can get me stuck as well. I'm doing a bunch of front-end right now and it's not helping my ADHD at all. But yeah, those are kind of my main things. Do you have anything you want to add? When you were talking about talking about it at work, during some of our meetings, like retro, for example, I voiced that I really don't remember what happened in the last two weeks. What can we do about that? And so now for our retros, we spend a few minutes going through what we had completed in the last two weeks. And that was really helpful. And another thing that was really helpful for me is asking for things in writing. I have an issue with maybe somebody giving me a task to do, but it's not written down. And in the moment, I have trouble with processing what they're saying and writing it down. So I can't process it and write it down at the same time. So asking for things in writing has been really helpful for me. The task issue is really interesting. That's not something I've thought about at first, but that is huge for me. If you give me a really ambiguous task, 
I mean, my brain is exploding with ideas constantly and thoughts, right? At an uncontrollable rate. And so if you give me a task with unlimited freedom, then I almost feel paralyzed because there's so many options and there's like so much in between. Like I can see the finish line, but I can't see the in-between steps. So that's one thing I've asked for before is like, hey, can we make these like a little more specific or can we drop these tasks down and like make subtasks or something like that? Because there's just way too much freedom for me. And if there's a lot of freedom, I jump off the rails and then I lose focus and then I get frustrated and then it's almost like a loop. So asking for like small specific tasks is definitely what helps me because working on the same thing for, you know, like a week like my brain is not stimulating. Right. And as we kind of talked about, you need to find ways to keep things entertaining, keep things stimulating for your brain. And so, yeah, definitely. If you're finding trouble, like with tasks or something, because they're too big and you have too much freedom, trying to break those down or trying to help asking someone else to help you break them down, or just whoever's handing you the task, asking them to be more specific, anything like that, because yeah, too much freedom means your brain can go whatever direction it wants. And that's not what is beneficial, I think, for us. And I think that brings up another good point for me. What's helpful is pairing. I pair so much at work and with different people across teams just to get a better understanding of what's happening at the company. But pairing really helps me stay on track. Pairing definitely is a huge thing for me as well to stay on track. Because if you have someone else there, like, then I can't stand up and go walk around and, you know, there's a lot more back and forth. So it's stimulating. You feel like you're a part of the team that's stimulating. And yeah. So yeah, that's a big plus one for me as well. I think that's why I like it so much. Cool. So we're kind of out of time. I think we could keep going on this for another hour or two. So maybe we can do a follow-up episode in the future. If you're out there listening, you're like, Hey, I want to know more Then send us your questions at Ruby for all on Twitter. And we will see if we have enough for another episode in the future. I'm sure we will. So thank you everyone for listening. That's it for us. We will catch you all in the next one. Bye. Bye everyone.